Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 394 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening. It is April the 9th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my friend, Scott Coleman. Scott, the Braves are going to go 4-3 and three this week, and it doesn't feel like that, does it? Hey, Brad. Yeah, this might be the worst feeling 4-3 and three against two really good teams that I can recall. Right. If, if when we recorded a week ago, if you told me the Braves were going to go four and three against the Cardinals in St. Louis and then at home for four against the Padres, especially when uh, two fifths of the rotation is hurt. And, um, you know, there, there's some lineup injuries and bullpen injuries. I would have said, hell, yeah, I'd take four and three, but it just doesn't feel great. I don't know. But nonetheless, uh, here we are. Happy Easter, everybody. And it was certainly a busy week. Yeah, happy Easter. Just for the sake of transparency, we are recording during the ninth inning of the game this evening. It is 10 to 2. If by some miracle the Braves were to erase that deficit, we will talk to you about it later on in this podcast. But we're assuming a loss. Uh, sue us if, uh, if you don't like that approach. But uh, listen, it's 10 to 2. And here we are. And yeah, four, 4 and 3, if you told us only that a week ago, it would have sounded pretty good, honestly, especially against two good opponents. The Braves, even with this, are 6 and 4 on the season, and that is a 97 win pace over a full season. So like, it's tough to complain about that too. So there's a little bit of nuance to be had here. It does feel like the vibes are not fantastic from Braves fans right now. And I get why. And one of the reasons is all the injuries. So we're going to start there and we'll talk about the games this week. But um, listen, this is a very, very, very busy injury report slash listing right now. A couple of these are left over from last week and previous, but uh, it's kind of building up a little bit. Most recently, was Travis Darno heading to the seven-day IL with a concussion that he suffered on Saturday, bringing Chadwick Trump back to the majors. Sticker said today to the media that he was still a little bit, a little bit fuzzy, so no guarantee that he's back in seven days. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, Scott, but he got absolutely clocked, so it was not a surprise that he got banged up in that instance. And then uh, they, they put in Murphy in the middle of the game on Saturday. Darno has had a solid enough start to the season, but uh, being without him even for a week is not great. Um, all respect to Chadwick Trump. He is not Travis Darno. Nice to have Sean Murphy in the mix, of course, but uh, that's just one of a long list of injuries. Well, and I think it was a little more concerning because Darno has had concussions in the past. Yep, and it's a ser- it's a, obviously a very serious injury. It can be one that can linger. Not that this is necessarily going to linger for Travis, but it is. Uh, anytime you're dealing with the brain, uh, you have to be extra careful. I think the Braves are are rightfully being smart by holding Travis out. 
I, you know, he's still feeling a little fuzzy as of Sunday. Hopefully he's ready to go in a week's time, but you know, it's just kind of a freak play on Saturday night. And, um, you know, it's just another one on the tally. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Again, the, the glass half full, if you would have told us two weeks ago that the Braves are going to be down Darno, Michael Harris, Colin McHugh, Max Freed, Kyle Wright, Bryce Iglesias, and a couple of others, I mean, I think we all would have taken six and four very happily. Uh, that being said, the vibes are not great, as you noted a minute ago, but hopefully Travis is okay. Concussions are nothing to play around with. We got a response, actually. This is real-time podcasting, folks, uh, to one of my tweets asking, I guess, why you hate Travis Darno. Is there a backstory here, Scott? Do you actually hate Travis Darno for some reason? Um, you know, I, I actually don't. I don't hate Travis Darno. <laughs> I don't know where these people get these things. I don't <laughs> hate funny. Travis Darno, for the record. <laughs> I had to. I had to ask you. It was just. It was too funny not to ask. I, I guess there, there was a whole kerfuffle this week about um, the way we discussed Sean Murphy or something. I don't know. This whole. Uh, it's. It's. It's a kind of a, kind of a funny time of year. It's. It's a perfect situation where, um, it's uh, the takes are reactionary in all directions, and we'll kind of just leave it there. But I got that re- in real time. I was like, wait, does Scott have a problem with Travis or another? I don't know about. So no. there you go. Uh, no, I don't. And man, I honestly think. Just with the Braves being in the Southeast, I think there's such a football mentality with with the Braves and with baseball. Like you got to remember, guys. Even a great team, it's a great team that's lost three in a row here. Even a historically great team that wins a hundred games in a season is going to lose sixty two times over a six month period. Like these things are going to happen. Obviously, we we're not panicking. We think the Braves are going to be fine. I don't hate Travis Darno for the fifth time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, man, I get it. Uh, it's, it's hard to not get emotionally invested in each game every night. That's what being a fan is, right? Like we care. We want to see the Braves win 162, it feels like everybody kind of needs to take a deep breath. It's April 9th, maybe April 10th. By the time people are listening to this, uh, everything is going to be okay. Yes, it is. Um, anyway, back to the injuries after that detour for Travis Darno. Um, Michael Harris is on the IL with a lower back issue. He seems to be the guy who is the closest to returning. It seems like he's going to be probably at the end of that 10 days. He'll be back and ready to go. They brought up Eli White. Um, positive indications. Snit said he felt good on Sunday. That's that's one that's not too worrisome for a young guy who I'm sure will bounce back pretty quickly. Colin McHugh is on the IL with shoulder inflammation. That isn't great. There was a school of thought out there that they, that they just wanted to have somebody to give a couple of weeks off to. Uh, I hope that's true because uh, shoulder issues are not great in Colin McHugh. While for whatever reason, he's always felt underrated. They need Colin McHugh. He is not as good as AJ Minter, but especially with like with Iglesias not throwing just yet. Um, McHugh is a guy that uh, I think is probably an underrated injury right now because a lot of the focus is on Freed and Wright and I get all that. But McHugh is uh, a pretty solid reliever that, that they could definitely use when he's back. Yeah, and his versatility is probably what they value the most. His ability to work in the eighth inning or in the fifth inning, go multiple innings. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we talked, we know how good this bullpen is, or we expected it to be, and we still expect it to be really good. But I mean, frankly, right now, without Iglesias and without McHugh, and even someone like Jackson Stevens, who I think would be in Atlanta right now if it wasn't for his own injury in the minor leagues, there's just not a ton of awesome options. And of course, anytime you lose your closer, that kind of pushes everybody else up a rung. Because if you know you have Iglesias for the ninth inning, then you have some more flexibility with who you want to use in those middle and later innings. 
So you don't have him. You don't have a kind of a jack of all trades type in McHugh. It's just, I, I think when McHugh went on the IL a couple of days ago, I tweeted, uh, you know, things might get a little scary, a little dicey. You're looking at guys like Kirby Yates and Lucas Lukey to throw important innings right now in games. And I, it, it's not that they can't potentially be fine options in the bullpen, but I don't think anybody wants them throwing in one run games against good teams uh, in the later innings. Yeah, they had to go. Well, I shouldn't say they had to. They chose to go to Kirby Yates in a tie game the eighth inning the other night. It didn't go very well. That's uh, one data point in that mix. Um, a perhaps troublesome update on Max Freed. Um, as of Saturday, it felt like, it sounded like anyway from the reporting, that his hamstring was feeling good. But Mark Bowman said tonight during the game that he has not started throwing off a mound yet, and Bowman used the following phrase, quote, probably about two weeks from returning, end quote. So that's not that far off of the 15-day IL stint, but it's not like Free would be ready to go the day that he's ready if that timeline of least projection from Bowman is accurate. Two weeks is not forever, but uh, that wasn't necessarily great. I think a lot of people were holding their breath to see if Max was like ready to go like next week, and that is not next week, if that's true. Yeah, and thankfully there's a day off on Thursday, so maybe the Braves can get a little creative and not have to give the ball to one of these guys who have been really struggling ultimately the Braves just need Max back. And if they have to be a little more cautious with him to make sure he's a hundred percent, that's probably a, a move worth making in April. A lot of baseball left. Um, yeah. Again, it was just kind of an odd injury it, watching it live. It, there was no immediate reaction. It didn't seem like it was severe, but I guess with hamstrings, it's, it's one of those things that can be pretty tricky. You know, if he's still not aggressively running on the hamstring, that's probably the final hurdle. Maybe they're going to have him do a minor league rehab start just to get his legs back under him. But it, it goes without saying the Braves need Max Freed. Thankfully, they're going to get Kyle Wright back in a minute. I know we're going to talk about Kyle here, but you know all, this rotation right now is frankly not very good. I mean, you have Spencer Strider, who we love. Uh, Charlie Morton was better in his most recent start, but he still has not been prime Charlie Morton by any means. And then after that, just the young guys, you just don't know what you're going to get any given night. Yeah, Morton's been fine. His ER is in the low fours. It is what it is. Not been great, but he's not been terrible. But you're right. It does not feel fantastic right now, which makes sense. If you take out Breed and Wright, it's not a great rotation. That just kind of makes logical sense. And you have some injury issues. Ian Anderson now is now on the minor league IL with an elbow injury. He's not anywhere close. Russell Iglesias hopefully is close, and that's, of course, the bullpen, but he is a, a key piece. Um, Wright did make a minor league rehab assignment on Wednesday and looked uh, not fantastic, but we, we just got through it and seemed to be healthy at, at the uh, at the balance of that. It seems like all indications are, although the Braves have not confirmed this, that he's going to probably pitch in Atlanta on Tuesday with the big club. That would be nice um, if that were to happen. Nothing that tells you that he has to be awesome when he comes back because he wasn't great in his for in his rehab start. But just having Kyle Wright would be uh, a nice um, infusion just because especially with, as we'll get to later on, Don and Schuster wobbling a bit, uh, a little bit of uh, safety and an old friend with Kyle Wright on Tuesday would be nice. Yeah. yeah I mean, the Braves are going to need Kyle to hit the ground running. Um you know, we, we talked about him at length during the offseason and the expectations now that he had his breakout season in 2022. And I think that realistically, the Braves just, I think, need some stability in the rotation right now. Maybe they're not looking for, for Wright to go out there on Tuesday and 
rack up 12 strikeouts and, and look like the next coming of, of Spencer Strider. I think they just need someone to take the ball. It seems like every night recently it's the fifth inning and the starting pitcher has thrown 94 pitches already. It's like, man, they, they're going to have to keep dipping into this bullpen, which is also banged up. Uh, the Braves really could use not only a low drama game, but they could, they could really benefit from a starter taking the ball for six, seven, eight innings. That's easier said than done. Thankfully, the schedule is going to open up quite a bit. But more than anything, they just need a stabilizer in those in the middle of the rotation right now. Yeah, it's been four straight now where the starter has not thrown more than five innings, and that puts a lot of pressure on the bullpen when you have no days off to the, to the point tonight, actually. They had I, – I shouldn't use had. They chose to use A.J. Minter in a 10-2 game, and it wasn't, like, indefensible. Like, I don't love that, but it is what it is. Like, he hadn't pitched since Thursday, and they just kind of are out of arms at that point in time, so they kind of used A.J. to give him some work. But um, not great management, not necessarily great um, optics, all that stuff. And the, part of that is the challenge of not having guys go deep into games for the rotation. Uh, last thing that's not injury-related, but Jordan Luplo, uh, farewell. We hardly knew ye. Uh, he was DFA'd earlier this week, claimed by the Blue Jays. Toronto's going to pay his salary. So uh, that was a good idea in practice. It just never, I guess, clicked for the Braves, and they elected to DFA him, make some room on the roster, and uh, farewell, I suppose. Yeah. What was your favorite moment of the Jordan Luplo in Atlanta uh, era? When he, when he signed, I think, was had to be the had to be the right moment. He, when uh, For a while. You know what? Now that you think about it, he might have been the only guy who signed for guaranteed money I this off. I think he might have, but yeah, there was a, I know we talked about this at one point where like he at least had the most guaranteed money of all those guys they brought in. I don't know if he was the only one, but he might've been, that makes sense. I, I think he was like, you know, Pilar was a minor league deal. Some of the relievers they brought on were minor league deals. I th- I'll go up and look this up after the fact, but I think Luplo was the only guaranteed free agent deal they gave out unless I'm just completely missing somebody obvious. Well, there you go. It was a, it was a heck of an error by Jordan Luplo. Um, okay, let's talk about the let's talk about the games that were positive, and then we'll break and talk about the games that were not. Uh, again, this feels like it was a lifetime ago, but they swept the Cardinals this week uh, in kind of impressive fashion. Honestly, a lot lots of home runs, and on Monday they hit I think three or four. Riley hit the longest one of his career, four hundred seventy three feet. Austin Riley's a big boy, hit the ball a long way. Ozzy had a home run, Ronnie hit a home run. Morton was okay, um, not great. Bullpen was pretty good, and uh, it was it was an eight four breezy victory. And then Tuesday was more of a more of a defense first victory. Um, we should at least say the defense. I felt like it was like a standout defensive game. Uh, I will let you give the the quote that Snit gave after the game on Tuesday. But on Monday it was offense. Tuesday it was defense, and it all kind of worked out in two pretty breezy wins uh, to start the series against against the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Talking about with this new balance schedule getting a road trip to St. Louis, which is going to be one of the tougher National League trips this year. You know, to go in and sweep the Cardinals, I mean, the Braves dominated all three of those games. Maybe they didn't win them all 10 to nothing, but those games were largely uncompetitive. That was great to see. You mentioned uh, Brian Snitker said after Tuesday night's game, it was, quote, probably one of the better team defensive games I've ever been a part of. <laughs> and Snit is not a young man. He's been around for some things. So yeah, I was gonna say he has like 40 years in the organization now, right? I mean, he, he's uh he's the definition of a baseball lifer. Uh so yeah, I mean terrific defense. We should give a shout out to Orlando Arcia, who has been really good at shortstop. He's had a moment or two where maybe he didn't make the right decision or his internal clock was off on to whether to go to first base or second base, but for a guy who 
had a million questions, a position that had a million questions going into the spring. I did want to shout out Orlando. The bat has been really good as well. He had the walk-off hit later in the week. And defensively, as we we kind of hoped for, just make the routine plays. Don't make errors. You don't necessarily have to go out there and be a gold glover. But he's been, I think, better than what I was expecting. Um, and if he can give the Braves any kind of, of real sustained production at shortstop this year, it is a huge boost. No question about it. I think I have certainly been lower on Arcia than the consensus, at least Braves consensus. And he's been he's been really good so far. Uh, the bat has been solid, like you said, a one thirty three WRC plus. You have to love that. Anything league average, even for Arcia with the bat, given his history, would be a very big positive defensively. For whatever reason, the metrics don't love it still. I don't know why, but I think my eyes tell me he's been good at shortstop so far. Like you said, not perfect, but he's not. He's not. I make I made a couple Ozzy Smith jokes this week after after that, that game on Tuesday. But look, he uh, he's he's been better than anyone has a right to expect him to be. And perhaps that will continue. That'd be awesome for all parties involved, but uh, you'll take it through two weeks. You can't really ask for more from Orlando. So that's been a nice story in the midst of uh, not great stuff around him necessarily. Um, and then Wednesday, they sweep the Cardinals. I mentioned it before. But Bryce Elder was good, actually. He kind of had fallen a little bit off the radar after not winning the job um, out of spring, but he looked very good. Two hits allowed. They have three walks, but struck, struck out six. Looked really good against a quality offense in St. Louis, and the offense was good as well. So, um, you know, Elder comes out of, you know, look, it's one start, but comes out of things looking like roses at the moment. He's going to pitch early this week. But, uh, you know, after he did not win the job, he has been uh, very clearly better than Dodd and Schuster so far. It's again, it's small sample size, but uh, worth noting that Elder, after being rock solid last year, looks the part again. Yeah, look, we've said it. We've beaten the dead horse. The Braves just need one of these young guys to step up and be the fifth starter. And right now they're relying on three of them because of injuries, which let's hope is not going to be the norm for the next five and a half months. But Elder looked really good. Uh, Even though Sunday night was a disaster, Dylan Dodd looked fantastic on Tuesday evening and against a Cardinals lineup that was the best against left-handed pitching in last season by a lot. So, you know, the vibes were really good. You're like, okay, well, between Dodd and, and Elder, it feels like the Braves have figured this thing out. Of course, Dodd got blasted on Sunday night by the Padres, another very, very good lineup. Uh, but for Elder to go out there, he did give up a little bit of hard contact that was just hit right at people. But he had six strikeouts. He was pounding the zone, which was good to see. And once again, the Braves lineup, at least early on in the week, continued to roll. They were scoring early and often. They got to Miles Michaelis, who is a perfectly fine starter for St. Louis. Uh, So, yeah, sadly, Wednesday was kind of actually, I guess Thursday was good. Thursday was when the good vibes ended. But uh, to go to St. Louis and to sweep the Cardinals was a fantastic start or I guess conclusion to the road trip. Yeah, let's let's knock out Thursday because at the end of Thursday, I don't know about you, it felt like the Braves might go 150 and 10 or something like that uh, after the, at the end of Thursday's game when they went in walk-off fashion against the Padres. It was an awesome game, home opener, lots and lots and lots of buzz around the city. Arcia, as we mentioned before, walks it off in the ninth. Strider wasn't perfect, but he looked like Strider. He was still pretty good, obviously. Um, there was a Kirby Yates implosion that was not at all fantastic and i mentioned before i don't know why he was the choice to go in a tie game in the eighth inning even if you buy kirby yates's previous performance which we talked about a lot he used to be awesome um still not the greatest spot to have him in but um sean murphy was good in that game and it was just a one of those games that felt like you know you don't want to overstate it either but it was april and it was an awesome baseball game against like two really good teams loaded 
good pitchers on the mound and drama and for the home opener to be a walk-off win on a Thursday night in prime time was uh, you can't really craft much better than that for your fan base too. Let's just get everybody fired up. I also didn't go well the rest of the weekend, but that was a nice moment. Yeah, it was. And I mean, it did feel like a playoff game. It really did. There was a lot of great back and forth. The Braves go up early. The Padres answered back. Padres went up again. Um, you know, we should probably talk about Kirby Yates, not that we want to overreact to three appearances, but uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think the Braves can cut Kirby Yates right now because of the injuries they've, they've dealt with and the way they they're going to prioritize depth. Yeah, But there may come a time. I mean, as uncompetitive as Kirby was a year ago, I mean, eighth inning, he couldn't find the plate. He couldn't feel the a ball hit back to him. I mean, it was just... Um, thankfully the Braves came back to win, but I feel like of all the bullpen arms right now, I feel like Kirby is, is getting closer to the, uh, roster bubble. Uh, we felt strongly in the spring, he was at least going to make it because of his contract. And and we can probably have another discussion about contracts and whether or not it means you deserve a spot on a big league roster or not. But, um, yeah, it, it was a great game. A lot of fun. Yeah, and on, on your point about Yates, there's no reason to go way down this rabbit hole, but just to give the numbers, in four appearances this year, he's thrown three and two-thirds innings, he's faced 19 batters, he's given up five walks, three hits, three runs, um, has three, only, only three strikeouts, uh, his ERA is, you know, north of seven, um, FIP is north of nine, he, you know, the walk rate is through the roof. He doesn't look good, and that's the other thing. Like, it's not like it's just been fluky. Like, you can, you know, you, your eyes can tell you some of the story as well. He's not been very good, so I don't think it's like you have to cut him, like you said. But he's a he's an outing or two away from at least a phantom IL stint, and nothing else. I'm sure they'll probably do that before they actually release him because he does he is worth he is uh, owed a bunch of money. So it would be smart of them to at least give him the phantom IL, figure something out, and then hopefully give him one more chance. But. Uh, it has not been pretty so far, and that's a guy they could use right now. Now, the other thing is Nick Anderson, who's the other kind of reclamation project, former, you know, former really good reliever who also had injury stuff, has looked good. So if they go one for two on those, not the worst thing. Nick Anderson looks awesome. So you're gonna you're gonna miss him on bullpen um, bullpen arms and uh, playing the math on that. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. But Yates is the one that's that's owed a bunch of money. So that's part of the calculus as we talked about before. And look, that's why he's around. I think at this point, maybe not the entire reason why, but he's uh, that's a big reason why he's still on the roster at this stage. And it wasn't pretty, but alas, here we are. Yeah, and let's hope. Right again, it's baseball is a funny game, man. There's a hundred, but there's 152 games to go. You never want to overreact. This is the equivalent of week one of the NFL season, right? And sure, you're going to have takes and you're going to feel certain ways about players after one week of a football season. But there's a lot of football. There's a lot of baseball to be played at this point. And I'm glad you mentioned Nick uh, Nick Anderson. He has been awesome. Like the stuff looks fantastic. He looks just like the guy he was with Tampa Bay when he broke out. I think really as long as he's healthy, and we felt pretty good about this, as long as he's healthy, He's going to be a real weapon in that bullpen. Yeah, he is. Um, all right. Before we get into the the mud with this weekend, I will leave you with a semi-positive stat. And that is the fact that the Braves last year through 10 games were five and five. And two years ago when the Braves won the World Series, they were four and six through 10 games. So if you want to find positivity, you can find it with six and four. We'll take a quick break now, talk about uh, here. I guess we should at least hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll discuss the weekend series, some of the big picture trends, and we'll look ahead to uh, what's to come. And uh, spoiler alert, a pretty friendly schedule this upcoming week. But first, those sponsors will be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Scott, let's get dirty here. And that means some Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd messes over the weekend. So Friday, Schuster had a really bad first inning. He His numbers were not as bad full game as you might expect, but he did not look good in that game, which was only seen by some people because it was on Apple TV Plus, as we warned you about. But, uh, you know, in a game that had 14 walks in it, it's just a weird baseball game. They lose five to four, but uh, we'll stop here. I'm going to give you these numbers now. Just get it out of the way. Uh, in the four starts... Two each from Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster this season. The two guys who famously made the team coming out of spring at the expense of Anderson, Elder, etc. They have combined to throw 18 innings in four starts. Not great there. 28 hits, 16 runs, 10 walks, and only 11 strikeouts. Scott, I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you as a baseball expert, not great. No, those aren't great. And when you consider that a lot of that the good in those numbers is being carried by Dodd's one start. It yeah. really just shows how poor the other three have been. Yeah, it was, uh, it's been an adventure. So I want to know, we should get that out there. Look, we're not trying to pile on Dodd and Schuster. They're rookies. Um, by all accounts, especially Dodd looked a lot better than this uh, in the spring. Um, Schuster's stuff has been pretty underwhelming. Dodd did not look good tonight to me, but I we talked to our minor league guys behind the scenes, Garrett, et cetera. Uh, I think his velocity has been down from where he was previously. Maybe that's part of the issue with these guys. And look, we're not experts on breaking down pitching at the highest of high levels here. But, uh, you know, Schuster looks underwhelming to me. Again, like that's not a huge surprise. It's kind of what he was. He's more of a low ceiling, high floor guy, supposedly. But the floor has been not great either. So, you know, look, they shouldn't be pitching right now. I think a lot of the responses, I know I got one or two tonight that was like, well, as long as we get these triple A pitchers out of the line, well, I, I get it, guys. Like they're not, they're not Kyle Wright, they're not Max Freed. But as Scott said earlier, they're gonna need Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster at some point this season. Like this is not the only time they're gonna pitch in the rotation, I don't think, barring injury. So getting them right would be helpful. But listen, we don't have to be, we don't have to tell you anything else that you don't already know. If they're going to be this bad, the Braves are in trouble. Now that that's very obvious to say because they have an eight combined ERA in four starts. But um, you know that's a it's not the whole explanation of why they had a bad weekend. They had some offensive issues as well, particularly on Saturday and Sunday. But it's hard to win when you have bad starting pitching and those two guys have been struggling so far. So yeah, they have. And to be fair, yes, they are rookies. Their first times going through this and. Dodd faced the Cardinals and the Padres. Yeah, pretty tough. <laughs> I am not sure there are two better right-handed lineups in baseball in the National League that are more difficult for a lefty to face. We have Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, uh, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Bogarts. I mean, these are two of the best lineups in the sport. So it's if they were getting, I guess, Schuster struggled against the Nationals. But if the Braves were on the Tampa Bay Rays schedule where they've played the Tigers, the A's and some other horrible team who I'm blanking on, um, you know, then, and they were getting blown up. It's like, oh, man, this is not good. So not every team is going to have Machado, Soto and Bogarts in their lineup, which is good. Um, 
but they they have to find somebody. They can't keep doing this where these guys are struggling to get through four innings. Um, overall, you know, Schuster's numbers somehow aren't like horrendous. Um, you know, he he escaped the Nationals game without the game completely imploding, and then settled in a bit. Um, again, the, the first inning against San Diego was really bad. Ended up only giving four runs after that horrible first inning. But th- they have to find somebody. And really, if the Braves can get healthy, thankfully, neither Freed nor Wright have serious injuries. But if the Braves can get healthy, you have Max Freed at the one, Spencer Strider at the two, Kyle Wright at the three, and Charlie Morton at the four. That's really, really good. And then you're probably not going to be feeling the crunch as much if Bryce Elder or Schuster or Dodd or whoever don't have a great start every fifth day because you have four guys who are anywhere from good to elite ahead of them. I think we're just really feeling the crunch right now because uh, injuries have, have caused these three to be in the rotation when really only one of them should be. Yeah, that's all uh, That's all accurate. And uh, the other as I said before, there wasn't, it's not just these, it wasn't just starting pitching. There was other issues and um, the lineup has some holes as well at the moment. Um, we won't go down the entire rabbit hole here either because it is early and it is what it is. But um, Marcelo Zuna has two and exactly two hits this year. Now on the bright side, they're both home runs, but his uh, OPS is for about 500. WRC plus of 37. Uh, left field has been a sinkhole overall. Part of that's Ozuna. Part of that's Eddie Rosario having a zero. Yes, zero WRC plus so far. And then Ozzy Albies has been really bad for a couple of good games to start the season. I think his WC plus is down below 50 now as well. So that's essentially three spots or at least two and a half spots every night that have been in the wilderness. Uh, the top of the order has been just fine. Matt Olson's hitting the ball well. Austin Riley looks good. Ronald Acuna looks good, et cetera. But um, they're going to have to need, and this is I feel like we talked about this a lot. Uh, in fact, I know we did over the winter. They need something from DH and left field, and uh, they're not getting anything from those spots at this point. Uh, that's not great, and uh, we'll see how long the Ozuna thing goes on. I don't want to do this every single week on the podcast, but when he literally has two hits and they're both home runs, I mean, it's, it looks like a lot like last year when he was hit 30 home runs or something like that and still managed to be bad because you have to hit more than home runs. I wish, I wish you hit 60 of them. Otherwise, uh, you got to do something else. Yeah, and you know, continuing on, we, we talked about Ozuna, Rosario, Ozzy Albies has looked lost. I mean, I, I think we both believe in Ozzy and he's going to figure it out. But He just has some real habits at the plate that just crush me when I watch him. I think other people pick up on it too. He's just so aggressive and free swinging and he'll, he'll work in at bat where he sees six or seven pitches and only one of them are in the strike zone. And he's either fouling off or ultimately swinging a junk that's going to kind of get himself out. Right. Instead of letting the pitcher make him, uh, you know, putting the pressure on the pitcher, it seems like Ozzy just gives away at bats. Uh, Sean Murphy has been basically walk or bust. I mean, he's walking. His OBP is close to 400, but he's not hitting. So it's it's great if you're hitting and walking. Uh, but it seems like Murphy, uh, I think he only has a couple of hits in his starts and the Braves are going to need him. He's going to catch basically every night now that Darno is on the IL. Hopefully it's just for a week or so. Uh, but Murphy's not hitting. The outfield, uh, the left fielder, the DH isn't hitting. And while guys like Orlando Arcia have been awesome these opening 10 days, no one's expecting Arcia to be a superstar offensively, right? Anything he can give the Braves is a bonus. 
maybe they dip into Von Grissom as well at some point, who's been hitting really well in the minor leagues. But um, it's just, it feels like if the top three in the lineup aren't hitting that night, they're not hitting. And that's a real problem. Yeah. And we'll leave it there. We, we could talk about this a lot and we probably will if it continues in the future. But, uh, you know, it's the same thing. Like their DH plan isn't really a plan. Like we discussed that all spring long. Like Travis Arnaud and Sean Murphy are very good hitting catchers. But when they're, if one of them is DHing, they're not a, uh, they're not, they're, they're not great at DH. Sean Murphy is a really good hitter for a catcher. If he's playing first base or something like that, he's not a great hitter anymore. Same with Darno. And then you throw in a lot of Ozuna. And I, I don't know how long that's going to go for. We'll, uh, we've been asking that question for two years now. But um, he seems to be playing more often than not. And we'll see how long that lasts. Eddie looks shaky. So uh, it's a lot of the questions we had before the season. The only guy um, that we talked about just then is Ozzy that we were kind of banking on. I think he has a record long enough where you can't just assume he's going to be bad. So that's a positive. But they had a bunch of... Missed opportunities on Friday and Saturday. And even you know tonight they were obviously going to lose because they gave up 10 runs. But even tonight they had some opportunities to score and make it more interesting. And they couldn't really do that. Um, also, Saturday, we should at least mention that we talked about it earlier. They had a really bad defensive game for the first time um, in a while. <laughs> uh, that's okay. It's going to happen every once in a while. But that was part of the loss on Saturday. And we should also hit, uh, sort of tip the cap to Michael Walker, who looked awesome uh you remember michael, michael walker was like all out of the league at one point like he was yeah. really awesome early and then he kind of fell off the cliff and now he's back apparently he's awesome again yeah i mean that was amazing i couldn't believe it was michael walker I was like is this really the same guy who didn't have like any suitors and free agency he didn't sign until end of february uh walker just i mean the braves were uncompetitive i mean i actually just looked this up in terms of it feels like the Braves are doing a good job of getting on base, which is encouraging. But the, this weekend, they just could not get a big hit. Um, here's here's a number for you. The Braves, with runners in scoring position, are three for their last 26. You're going to lose. On base. Three that's, for 26. That's how you lose games, kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, their, their numbers look fine for the season. Like, I don't – worry about the offense even with the holes we talked about a second ago like i'm not concerned it's just uh yeah clutch hitting was not has not been there the last couple of days and uh it all kind of puts into a package and you end up losing three games in a row um sunday like it's not even worth talking about we talked about dodd struggling um also as soon as he left the game Luke gave up a home run the first batter to make it even worse it was probably already over and then it became very much over uh we'll just leave that there once you have more thoughts on the weekend series scott we can move on because it was uh not a lot of fun after after thursday no, I uh, with Easter festivities, I did not see the Sunday game other than maybe the first inning, probably for the best. It was a frustrating end to, again, just overall four and three against two likely playoff teams in the National League. In the big picture, you take four and three against good teams all day long. It's just the way the week started. And then, of course, losing three in a row to end was was kind of a downer. Yeah, and. Even with all of that, the Braves still have the only positive dif- differential in the National League. Uh, sorry, National League East. They still lead the division oh, by a game. I was um, going to go, wow. You're- <laughs> no, sorry. In, in the East, my apologies. Uh, they still lead the division by, uh, by a game over the Mets as well. Like, as bad as it felt over the weekend, they're still in totally fine shape. And uh, the schedule this week is really nice. Doesn't mean anything. You can't be guaranteed anything in baseball. But uh, they have six games. They might be favored in all six of them. They play the Reds. Three times uh, to start this week at home, all in the evening. 
and they're off on Thursday before they go to Kansas City for three games over the weekend. Both opponents are quite bad by Major League Baseball standards. They have some talent. Like, there's never going to be a huge gap. But, um, I mean, Scott, this is the polar opposite of the schedule this week when it was two really good teams and no days off. They have a day off this week and two bad teams on the schedule. Yeah, and it comes at a perfect time with the state of this roster being so beat up. I mean, literally like a fourth of the guys who they were going to count on this year in important roles are hurt. So I think the Reds and the Royals are about as good of medicine as you can ask for. Uh, you know, against Cincinnati, you're going to see uh, someone named Connor Overton on Monday night, uh, Luis Sessa, who's had some prospect pedigree, and then Hunter Green, who was actually awesome against the Braves last year as a former top prospect, uh, but his numbers overall were not good. Uh, I think Wednesday night is going to be Hunter Green against Spencer Strider, which is an all-time radar gun matchup, which should be fun. But, I mean, you look at the Reds 1 through 26. They're just a bad team. It's going to be at home in Atlanta. It looks like the weather is going to be better as well, which is nice. Uh, so it's, it's a series, again, it's baseball. But that's the series where you absolutely should take two out of three, if not sweep. And then the Royals have a couple of pieces. I think they're kind of on the right track. And it is on the road, whether that means anything or not in baseball. But these are two of maybe the six or seven worst teams in the league. And hopefully the Braves can get on track, get healthier too. Like every day on the calendar feels like it's it's a win because it means you're going to get some of these guys back soon. Um, but again, yeah, take advantage because the following week, I was just curious, the following week they play the Padres again and then they play the Houston Astros. So take advantage of the bad teams when you can. Yeah, you got to beat the bad teams when the good teams are coming up after that. Uh, if you fast forward a little bit and everybody stays on schedule, the Braves would also see Zach Granke on Sunday. Zach Granke is a joy if you enjoy baseball. Um, he's 39 years old and still cooking at this point for Kansas City after having, after having gone back there. So that's a little bit of a subplot at the end of the week. But I generally agree with you. You know, we don't like to get over our skis too much on results, especially in small sample sizes this time of year. But um a winning week would be the baseline expectation. Like, I don't think you could expect to ever go six and zero, oh, but uh, you know, something like four and two or better would be what you kind of need to do against a couple of bad teams. And uh, that's kind of all I have for that. But um, a big one for Bryce Elder on Monday, we'll see if Kyle pitches on Tuesday. That'd be very nice. And then um, I know, I think Bowman laid it out. If they were to decide to go ahead and move on from not move on from, but like option Dodd back to the minors, they could probably get by without, a guy in that slot for almost like 10 days because of off days and all that stuff. But so they might, they might do that. We'll probably find that out on Monday, but uh, for now, what we know is wisp confidently is elder Monday. And then a spot that w looks like right on Tuesday and the starter on Wednesday and Morton on Thursday. And then we'll see after that. Yeah. That's, uh, and I do want to give a quick shout out. I do really like this new balance schedule. I think it is crazy that baseball would play 162 games and not have every team play at least one series against all of their 29 squads. So it's great to see the Royals. They're a team we never see. And I think that's overall that the new balance schedule, again, we're in another full week of the pitch clock, which I'm still really liking. I think most fans have taken well to that. I did hear it was an interesting counterpoint of fans who are paying good money for tickets to go to games in person are maybe getting jobbed a little bit because you're paying good money for parking and tickets and food and concessions. And what used to be three, three and a half hours now might be 215, 230. 
but again, I guess that's just kind of one of the trade-offs that you get. Uh, but it, again, I think the interleague thing is something that was well overdue to be expanded. And uh, I mean, I don't even know the last time the Braves were in Kansas City for a series. Yeah, I'm, you know, I guess that explanation makes some sense about the lack of time, but uh, I just disagree. I think the pitch clock is fantastic, to be honest. And I, I, I was not someone who was a zealot for doing every little thing to make games faster. I think there's a, there's a beauty in, um, in baseball and the, and the clockless nature and not having, you know, games can go on forever if they are tied and that's what it is. I like all that stuff. And I still think the pitch clock makes a ton of sense. Like you don't, you don't need to stand there for 30 seconds and change your batting lifts five times. Like you, you just don't need to do that. Like if you look at the way games were played and we're obviously this has been litigated before, but games used to be played in the, in the 60s, 70s, whatever, it was just a lot faster and there was just more going on. And um, with uh, it just makes a lot of sense. So, I won't litigate my whole list. And I have a long list of pros in the uh, pitch, clock, pitch clock direction, Scott, but I won't, yeah, I won't I give them all now. But I, I I I like it a lot. I think it does. And look, I don't think you drastically notice it either. I think if you're just watching baseball every day, you will notice eventually when you make yourself notice it. But like if it's still baseball, they're not out there like playing speedball. Like they're not doing anything insane. They're just pitching at a normal rate. It's It's fine. Yeah. And it's funny. I was having this conversation with my father-in-law, actually, you know, it's, it's called the pitch clock, but I really don't think it's impacting pitchers all that much. I think some guys who are notoriously for, for working slowly on the mound, sure. There are some, some offenders of, I guess the overall just rate of play, but you're right. It's, it's the batter stepping out and doing their batting gloves between every pitch and tapping the plate and asking for time it's the 11 pickoff throws to first base in an inning. I think that would just kill. I mean, just kill the flow of a game, right? A speedy guy gets on first base and a pitcher is just absolutely determined to not let him steal second. You know, every time there'd be a throw over to first, it's what, 15, 20 seconds. So while it is the pitch clock, and I think that's being focused on, and that's fair, it's those little time wasters in the game, I think, that are really helping make up time in, in the total run of these games. This will be our last thing on this podcast, but did you see my old friend, John Heyman, and his column about how the Mets pitching staff is the one affected by the pitch clock because they're old? Did you happen to see this? I I did not. Oh, but, my God. It was, it was incredible. Um, I, I encourage people to find it. It's, on, it's, it, was, it was at the New York Post. John Heyman just putting the cape on for the old New York Mets. Absolutely yeah. incredible scene. Uh, I love you, John. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, I really do appreciate your 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 click. You and the guy who, who tried to tell uh, Scott and I what to do this week on the podcast as well. <laughs> really appreciate yeah. that guy as well. Um, but no, I you know I have a soft spot in my heart for John Heyman takes, and that was a fantastic one, especially for the Braves. Um, just because there had to be something, had to be some reason why the old New York Mets, not just that that because they're old, it's because of the pitch clock. It's that it's the pitch yeah. clock's fault. So it's um. They- they are a fascinating science experiment of a roster of half a billion dollars in salary. And it the entire hopes rest on two starting pitchers in their upper 30s, like a 38 and a 39-year-old with a trillion miles on their arms and shoulders and elbows. And it, it's basically going to come down to if Scherzer and Verlander can stay healthy. But that is funny for Heyman to point to the pitch clock as the reason why, I mean, last year the Mets were just so good early on and then they cooled off. So I guess 
even as the Braves are six and four, which is perfectly fine. It is worth noting the Mets are five and five. The Phillies are three and six and look terrible. I think the Phillies are three and six and two of their wins were of the walk-off variety where they had to come back from behind. So they have their own injury problems as well. The Marlins stink. The Nationals really stink. So even though, as we saw very well firsthand last year, even if the Braves do continue to struggle with these injuries, there's just so much baseball left. And thankfully, nobody else in the East, at least early on, looks like a club that's just going to you know, walk blindfolded to 102 wins. Yeah, I read a story, uh, I think it was on opening day, about how there was essentially a barrage of, we'll call it wise guys, smart, sharp, however you want to say that, very smart handicappers, betters, had the under on the Phillies this year. And whether it's the injuries or maybe the expectations or last year's run, People that are smarter than I am, I'll say, uh, do not like the Phillies this year. So maybe that's uh, a bit of foreshadowing on their season, but we will see. All right, Scott, let's get out of here. Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. Scott, please plug what you have going on in the world. I'm, I'm sure we have some bevy of new listeners this time of year. So where can they find your work elsewhere? Yeah, thanks to everybody for checking us out. We will be back again next weekend, hopefully with... I just want a Sunday win for the Braves so we can do one of these podcasts after the team has won. It's just the vibes are better. It's more fun. Trust us, Brad and I like doing these podcasts a whole lot more right after a win than after a loss. Uh, But again, thanks for checking us out. I'm at Scott Coleman 55. Be sure to check out the site at Battery Power SBN. Check out Brad. Is it at BT Roland? I think. That is correct, Uh, Scott. I appreciate your uh, ministry there. That's fantastic. Yep. And um, uh, yeah, we'll, we will do it again. Yeah. And a, a full network here on the podcast. We have Sean Coleman on the daily hammer three, four times a week. We have Chris and Steven on the podcast to be named later, a fantastically named podcast, all of that on this same feed price of $0. All we ask is that you auto download the podcast and subscribe and rate and review and tell a friend about the podcast. I know there are people out there that don't love the show and that is fine. But if you have a brace fan in your life, perhaps two or three, family, friends, etc. that have not found the podcast just yet, have them give us a chance and if they like it, maybe they'll stick around. If not, that's okay as well. We do appreciate everyone for checking out the show and being a zealot for us. As Scott said, we'll be back again next week and in between we'll have three or four shows from other people on this network, so we do appreciate your patronage. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Hope you had a nice Easter weekend and we'll be back again in this same time slot next week. 